Hello, it's me on my lonesome again today as Emmo's gone almost directly from COVID to a holiday, so I hope she's getting a nice break. It must be nice not to worry though. I have the news agenda to keep me company, especially... Oh, the group photo that's launched about a thousand memes. Winston Peters, Christopher Luxon and David Seymour finally sat down together yesterday for the first time since the election. And there's a uh, slightly staged photo to prove it. I'm sure you've seen it. If you're still on Twitter slash X or whatever it's called, there are some very good tweets out there on this, including my favourite from uh, comedian Raven Khan, which suggested it's taken them this long to sit down together because they couldn't decide who was going to sit in the middle. Now, that is potentially truer than it sounds. Kia ora, this is Newsable, I'm Jess, and this is what's worth talking about. Are those smiles or grimaces? Now they've finally met face to face, what's the chances National Act and New Zealand First can get a coalition deal over the line? Ecologists say we need to treat cats like we treat dogs if we're to protect our wildlife. Hotel help yourself, what's okay to take back with you after a night away? When Emmo's away, Jess will add Christmas stories to the running order. And today's one, why a beloved Christmas movie is driving residents of one English village around the bend. All that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. I don't know how many times that we're going to be saying this, but another week of coalition talks is almost over. There's been the chasing each other up and down the country, the who met who and for how long, the posing for group photos through gritted teeth, and still the tussle to form a new government goes on. But are there any signs of progress, or are we just in the middle of the circus that was predicted by so many in the run-up to the elections? Thankfully, I've found a trusty voice to bring us up to speed to where everything is at. Here's Stuff's political reporter, Glenn McConnell. Kia ora, Glenn. Thanks for coming on. Kia ora. Glenn, we've got three parties. We've got National, we've got ACT, we've got New Zealand first. At least they were together yesterday. Have they made any progress at all? It's hard to know what progress has been made in this uh increasingly uneasy coalition, right? So this week, David Seymour and Christopher Luxon flew down to Wellington to meet Winston Peters for the first time with all three all together. Then they were back up yesterday to meet uh, Winston Peters in Auckland because he didn't feel like going down to Wellington. (laughs) And then all day, people have been coming and going from the Pullman Hotel where I've been uh, camped outside. They did finally all meet for the first time for a very brief meeting. It looked like little more than a photo op, really. How was that the first face-to-face meeting? The, the election was a month ago, and I know special votes took a while, blah, 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 but still, you can you can catch up for a coffee before yesterday. A, a great question, right? Like, remember when the official vote uh, count was announced and David Seymour told us that uh, Winston Peters hadn't been even replying to his text messages. Yeah. So maybe it's, it's good progress that they're now meeting in person. It, does it feel, given what happened on... on uh, Tuesday where they went down to see Winston and he didn't come and then they came back to Auckland to see him on Wednesday. Is he running the show? Is he the ringmaster of the circus? Well, yeah, look, two people flying around the country to meet one guy. That shows a bit of power dynamics. They will say that everything is going well and that progress is being made. But the details and and the evidence behind that, we haven't been told much of what's actually happening. So do we know if there are any sticking points and what they might be? Yeah, through um, you know, uh, quite a few sources and, and the little breadcrumbs that have dropped along the way, it looks like tax and the details around how they're going to afford the policies they've promised have been um, quite a sticking point. 
foreign buyers tax, of course, is, is major there. New Zealand First does not want to let foreign house buyers back into the country. Are these last few weeks a view of the next three years, do you think? And how hard is it going to be to potentially make decisions between the three of them? Optimistically, you know, the parties will say that if they can work out everything now, it's smooth sailing into the future. And there is a, a solid argument behind that. Yesterday, it was. It seems kind of weird to me that they all met, they all had their photo taken and they all looked kind of happy to be together. And then David Seymour left and Winston and Chris Luxon talked for another three hours. How does that work? They made such a big deal, right, of everyone meeting. But that three-party meeting only lasted a very short while. And then it was into these one-on-one, these bipartisan, two-party-only meetings. Winston Peters stayed, David Seymour left, David Seymour came back to talk to Luxon again with Chris Bishop and others from the ACT Party. I'm not sure exactly why they can't negotiate as three leaders for for a long time. Mm, Interesting time. So what what next is on the agenda for today? Are they going to meet again today or in the next few days? They are... They say that these meetings are organised pretty last minute, and perhaps that's why they ended up in Wellington without Winston Peters. That stuff's Glenn McConnell, political reporter, trying to bring us up to speed on what little we know about how these coalition talks are progressing. Glenn, thank you. Thank you. Coming up, what items is it okay to take from a hotel for free? This has been doing the rounds on TikTok recently, so we've drafted in someone from the Hotel Council Aotearoa to get their thoughts on what is okay to pop in your bag and what is the weirdest thing they've ever seen stolen from a hotel. Stay tuned. So I have some good cat facts for you. Well, one's good and one's not so good. In fact, one's actually quite bad. So good news first. New Zealand has the highest rates of cat ownership in the entire world. Now, sorry if you knew that already, but as a non-cat-owning person, I thought that was quite interesting. The bad news, though, is that globally, cats have been implicated in the declines or extinctions of more species than any other invasive predator. You can probably see, then, why trying to have any conversations about how we might manage our feline population feels pretty tricky. Manaki Whenua, Landcare Research, have done a review of current research on the impact and management of cats in Aotearoa and found some big gaps in what we know. To chat about this some more is the review's corresponding author, Al Glenn. Al, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Does that high rate of cat ownership make talk of controlling cats kind of really tricky to, to get off the ground? Because no one's out there campaigning for, you know, stoats and rats to be protected. But as soon as you talk about this idea of controlling or managing cats, everyone uh, who loves cats, and there are a lot of us, uh, can start to feel a bit uncomfortable about that. Yeah, it's it's quite a different um, situation compared to, as you say, stoats or rats. So it's very important to recognise that cats are loved and valued as, as companion animals, not just here in New Zealand, although probably more so here than anywhere else. And nobody is proposing that we get rid of all cats, but the New Zealand Companion Animal Council came out with some good recommendations recently for cats in New Zealand. And one of those was that all cats in New Zealand would be responsibly owned. So it's recognising that people are going to continue to have pet cats, but in an ideal world, we wouldn't have feral cats out there in the bush um, eating our native species and we wouldn't have stray cats on farms transmitting diseases to to livestock and and people we would only have pet cats that are being responsibly looked after by their owners and i think the review makes quite clear distinctions between 
a companion cat, a semi-feral cat like you mentioned on farms, or maybe a completely feral cat that doesn't have any human interaction or intervention in its lifestyle. What do we know about the impact of the environment for those three distinctions? We know the most about feral cats in, in wilderness areas. So there's lots of quality research into the prey species that feral cats kill and the level of impact that that has on populations, including, sadly, in many cases, actual extinctions of of species. Where there is less known is when it comes to cats in, in towns and settlements. We do know that they prey on wildlife, but we don't really know to what extent. How can we tell the difference between a feral cat and a pet cat? Is it easy? Yeah, that's one of the problems that we have to come to grips with. So in an ideal world, we would have a similar approach to what we have for pet dogs where they're registered and they have a microchip and then there would be very little question as to whether a particular cat is owned or or not. Is there any obvious reason why we can't be a bit more uh, strict when it comes to the regulation of cats? I think the the difference is just that we realised sooner with dogs that there was a need for this. So if you go back, I don't know exactly how long, but a few decades, a lot of people didn't register their dogs and dogs would, would roam free. I can remember as as a child seeing dogs just roaming free and that has changed over the last 30, 40 years. And I think we're starting to see that same change happening with cats now, but just a, a bit later on. I don't see any real reason why we couldn't have similar requirements where if you own a cat, it just needs to be registered with the council and have a microchip for identification. It's pretty simple and inexpensive to do, and it doesn't have any negative consequences for the cats themselves. Interesting stuff. That's Al Glenn from Manaki Whenua Landcare Research. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Keen to get your thoughts there on that suggestion that we could make it compulsory to register and microchip cats just like we do dogs or pop a poll up on the gram. Should we treat cats like we treat dogs? Search us up, Newsable NZ. Now, you might have caught this on TikTok over the last few days. An etiquette expert, an unusual title, has weighed in on what items it is okay to take from a hotel room for free. His basic rule was anything small is good to take. So we're talking toothbrushes, shampoos, the shaving kit. You've got the green light to throw those in your bag. Even apparently the hotel slippers, he says, are fine to take. However, hotel mugs, the dressing gowns, the pillows, they all need to stay put. To be honest... I mean, to me, this seems pretty obvious, but are we all following the rules? To find out, I'm joined by James Doolin from the Hotel Council. Aotearoa, kia ora, James. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Jess. Thanks for having me. Uh, am I being naive in thinking that people should already know this, or a hotel is telling you a different story? Well, believe it or not, um, theft from hotels is, is has been a problem for years and years, and, and uh 
There are certainly people out there who feel that their uh, room rate entitles them to take everything home with them as part of it. And when we say take home everything, what, what are we talking about? What are the things that you, you were surprised that people do put in their bags? Or traditionally things like the soap dish, you know, the tissue holder, little items of what's called FF&E, furniture, fittings and equipment, ah. um, often get taken as souvenirs. But, but the classics, of course, are the towels, the bathrobes and, and, and items like that. And I guess I, that's why they take our credit cards when you check in, for those exact reasons. Yeah, I think especially nowadays when um, the hotel has your name, address, email and credit card details as well, it's common practice to charge to recover the cost of those things if you take them with you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you tell me the strangest thing that you've heard of um, being stolen? It's, it's not strange, I suppose it's predictable, but th- there are stories where people have dressed up and taken out the TVs, you know, put on a uh, reflective visor and attempted to to steal things like the electronics from the hotel. So pretty much anything not bolted down and some things bolted down have been have been stolen from hotels at at one time or another. One I think is 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 an interesting grey area is food from the buffet on the uh, in the mornings. Ah yes. This is something we've talked about before actually. My mother in law likes doing this. You know, if you've if you've if you've paid for the breakfast buffet, it do- does that include snacks for when you're walking around the C B D later that day. And and I think it's a really interesting one as well because uh, hotels are starting to think about things like food waste. Right. Perhaps uh, enlightened hotels in the future will let you take things from the buffet. But Look, I, I, again, on this one, I think it's a bit of a balancing act. I don't think anyone's going to stop you if you take a couple of apples out quickly. But perhaps if you start loading up your lunch into a Tupperware <laughs> container, someone might tap you on the shoulder. <laughs> That's James Doolan from the uh, Hotel Council. I said, oh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jess. Okay, well, if there's one benefit to MOB in a way, it's that I can talk about Christmas in the middle of November and she can do absolutely nothing to stop me. So today's Christmas story comes courtesy of what I'm going to say is one of the top five Christmas movies, The Holiday. And hey, if you don't agree that it belongs to the top five, feel free to slide into the DMs and give me your own top five. I'm sure come December, Christmas movies is going to be something we're going to be talking a lot about anyway. The holiday fed up locals in the small English village, which is made famous by the holiday. You might remember it. It's like one of those cute chocolate box villages, snow on the on the roofs and all that kind of thing. Well, they are planning to charge tourists to park and use the toilets because they just simply do not want them there. Now, the village itself is called Sheer in Surrey, and apparently residents are dreading the festive season. They dread it every year because the place just becomes overrun with holiday fans. Now, they hope a parking and a toilet charge will deter visitors and curb the number of cars parked in the middle of the village because it means they can't get there. Oh, Cameron Diaz. Kate Winslet, you have so much to answer for these poor Surrey people in their beautiful village. I mean, luckily we're not like that here, are we? We put all our movie fans on a bus and show them every single blade of grass that is featured in Lord of the Rings. We are the opposite, but perhaps sheer and Surrey for now is best enjoyed through the lens of a TV screen, just for the time being, just for the sake of these poor villagers. Ho, 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 and Merry Christmas to them. That is Newsable for today. I'm Jess McCarthy. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you tomorrow. Ka kite popo. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz support. 
that you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. No, that, I think Chris, it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Okay, Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.